Well, welcome to this week's podcast of Live Transformed. I'm Bob and my beautiful wife, Audrey, next to me, and Dr. Richards will join us in just a moment. This is episode number 71, starting this new series Mm -hmm. about the three days that changed the world. This series is essential. I mean, for any and every believer, every disciple of Jesus, this is essential. I can't believe that it's only just been a week. I mean, in the in the uh, airing of this podcast, uh, that Easter, you know, mm-hmm. us celebrating Resurrection Sunday took place. But we're going to, you know, what really happened? Yes. You know, those three days that changed the world, what really happened? Were they really three days? I mean, just so many things. But what we want to do is how do we begin to truly experience resurrection power. Exactly. And today's in particular, we're going to talk about finding the door. Everyone knows there's a door, but not many people experience the better quality of life that's really, truly available because crossing through the door is not our issue. It's finding the door, the door to kingdom living, you know, life better than anyone has ever seen or imagined. That's what Jesus paid for. So this first episode is about finding the door. Finding the door. And the benefits, I mean the fulfillment of the promise because Mm -hmm. of his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father, everything has changed. So let's jump and we'll into this conversation. Oh, Audrey, But first of all, I just want to let you know, on April 28th, uh, coming up at the end of this month, I just want to let you know that um, if you go to our website, livetransformed.com, Jim is holding a Hebrew class, an all-day Saturday class, um, talking about connecting to the heart of God through learning Hebrew. It's a one-day Hebrew word study workshop. If that interests you, just go to the website and find out more rather than us getting into a ton of details. But right now, we just want to jump right into this conversation about finding the door and what it means to truly experience resurrection life. Well, Audrey and Jim, I love having these conversations together. And you know, finally, it's it's as though it's like, okay, are we recording? Did you did you know, like, are we starting? And it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just love uh, being able to share, you know, our our families and our lives together. And uh, you know, you you know, in our calendar, you know, in our day to day, you know, not necessarily when these podcasts are released, but you know, we've come through a, a season you know, within the church that we, you know, celebrate Easter, you know, Resurrection Sunday, which is really like the pinnacle, you know, that that people would describe within the life of the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe that it would just be really good Mm -hmm. just to kind of talk more about what happened, you know, what, what really changed in our world. And, and then how does that really you know, influence us, and then even what is it that we're really presenting to others and inviting them in? Let's let's go back to, you know, just the very simple one that everyone sees at every football game. You know, is that John three sixteen? For God so loved the world yeah. that He gave His only begotten Son. And and when we look at this, what what was in the heart of God? You know, in sending Jesus to this world. And and right away, I think a lot of our listeners are, are right away. You know, they they put in, oh yeah, this is what it means. This is what it means. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think it would be really good to start this conversation. And just talk about, you know, how you know in those three days, what was going on, yep. you know, that really began to trans transform, and what happened, 
you know, in, in the resurrection. Yeah, because for me, the biggest thing this this last in this year, 2018, that I was most grateful for, I sometimes you just get this focus, is that the veil was rent. It was like, okay, now I have, geez, you know, God hid his face from Moses in the cleft right, of wait, the wait rock. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let me insert something there. I don't yeah. want you to lose your train of thought, but let me okay. insert something there. You know, to us who have studied Scripture our whole life, the veil is rent means something. <laughs> but you know what I'm realizing as I talk to younger Christians, and by younger Christians, I'm talking about f people 40 years old and down. I'm not talking about only been saved for a few months. I'm talking about people that have been saved 10 or 20 years or ever since they were kids, but they're about 40 years old or down. They don't know much about the scripture. And mm. so when you when we say the veil is rent, boy, we have we this, fill in the gaps. Oh yeah, we got Man. all the history behind it and all the yeah. But we, yeah, we have that surge of of excitement about <laughs> what, <laughs> oh my what that means. Yes, yeah, right, right. But you know, the average person is kind of sitting there and going. Uh, rent? Oh, you mean they okay. they rent it out? Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, this, uh, was this a house they were renting? What you know, or, or what difference does it make? You know, and what is a veil? <laughs> yeah, so so you know, you might want to, you know, we, we might even want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so, so that people understand because because you know Easter is a celebration of the resurrection, and it is in fact like Bob said, it is the place where world history changed. Yeah. Yes. For everything that would happen in the world, totally change at that point. But the the sad thing is, you, you know, I, I, you know, you hear people talk about fake news, mm -hmm. and uh, fake news didn't start with the Trump administration. I just want you to know that <laughs> fake news has been around forever. And and the interesting thing about fake news is this: fake news is news that. It tells about the truth, a little bit of the truth, but basically misrepresents the truth. You know, in other words, there's something true there, but it's twisted. And of all the fake news in the church world, mm -hmm. the most predominant fake news is about what happened on the cross. Huh. We hear the these terminologies, the veil was rent. We hear these terminologies about the cross of Christ. And the real truth is you don't meet one in a hundred Christians that have one clue as to what any of that means. And maybe maybe we just need to talk some about I that. I think we do. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. we do. I think this is very important. And I and I would love to have my opinions not challenged, but just explore them because this is how I see it. Like, and I, after years being a believer since I was three years old and going to Bible school and all this study, I'd love to just tell you what I'm kind of my concept of this because I'm not sure I'm not into the details of the theology, but this is just how I experience it. Is that when Jesus? So, so now you guys realize that I'm actually saying this, and you guys get to correct me. I'm inviting no, no, this, no, no. but <laughs> when Jesus died and took his last breath there was this veil that was between the the holy to the holy of holies in the temple the way that the old testament set up took place and it was there was only the priest could enter into the presence of god to really be one on one with god to actually be in his by invitation to be friends with god to be there with god and then after Jesus died, that thing was busted loose. So anything that would be like a light curtain or a veil between the, the Holy of Holies and real was from top to bottom was just ripped. And now there was no separation between us and our access 
to God as a very personal, loving, moment by moment, every minute of the day, presence in our life. Yeah, and you know, you know, here's what you know. Here's one thing that's so interesting. You know, this this generation and is so casual with God. And, you know, we, we talked about this back several podcasts back. There is n- little sense of reverence mm-hmm. about God. There's little sense of of honoring God in a way that says, you know, you, you are holy, you are special. Yes. You, know, you, you, yes. you know, I will treat you as being special. And, you know, I'm thankful that we have the concept of God as, as daddy, yes. but we can't lose the concept of God as father. We can't lose yes. the concept of God as creator. Yes. But prior to Jesus, and you, you said it, I'm just, I'm reiterating something, okay. with just, and you said it exactly right, I'm just adding a couple of little details, is that th- this place called the Holy of Holies that you mentioned, for, yeah. for the people that aren't sure about that, the Holy of Holies was the place where there was, where there was a, basically a, what's called the mercy seat. Correct. And that was the place where the presence of God would descend. And I think it's interesting to note that the presence of God didn't descend on a judgment seat. It descended <laughs> onto a mercy yes. seat. Yes, that is very important. And so God would, the presence of God would descend onto this mercy seat. And the high priest was the only person that could go into the Holy of Holies and uh, uh, and in fact, if, if the high priest went in there and had any sin in his life he hadn't dealt with, he would he'd die, not because God would kill him, but because he would be totally overwhelmed by the pureness, if you will, uh, of 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 God. Yeah. And and he had to have a rope tied to his ankle. You know, when he would go into yeah. the holy of holies, they had bells on the bottom of his on the bottom of his uh, robe. So, uh, so they knew as long as they heard those bells, he was still alive because they could tell he was moving. Mm-hmm. But uh, if the if the bells stopped and they didn't hear him, then they had to take that rope and drag him out. Drag him <laughs> out. He'd kill over death. <laughs> but all of that was separated. No average person, right, could ever go into that holy of holies and mm-hmm. and, and live con- and, yeah, and live. <laughs> But but the thing is, is that meant that nobody could connect to God for themselves. They always had to go right. through a mediator. Right, right. And so, you know, those are the details. Those are just some of the details. That really like, is say, true. So so you're presenting. I'm not at all challenging the way you're presenting. I'm just wanting to fill in some of these details that people like us, like I say, who have studied this our whole lives, we forget that most people we're talking to don't know any of these details. And I think it's important to take time to thank God and remember that and say, you know, before it was like this, but now because of what Jesus did on the cross, I get the access of yeah. this holy, most amazing God whom, you know, Moses would have been seen his face and died. He had to hide his face in the cleft. God hid his face in the cleft of the rock when he was with Moses, you know, on the mountain. And but because of what Jesus did, I can be in the presence of Him and still not only live, but be with Him and gaze upon His face and worship Him, and and be amazed mm-hmm. at l- just looking at His face. Like yeah. to think that nobody would have that opportunity to look into the face of God, but because of what Jesus did, I can gaze into His face and worship Him. Mm-hmm. And that's not literal. 
I have not literally looked into the face of Jesus. That's another thing I want to clarify. Some people think, wow, Audrey like looks into the face of Jesus or God. But yes, in my heart, in my spirit, I can commune with him and I can feel the face of, I can experience the face of God without physically seeing his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, uh, a detail that I like about the veil being rent, being torn, okay, <laughs> is the detail is, is simply this, from top to bottom. Yep. You know, not, not just that it was torn, but from top to bottom. And I, I like that detail simply because I believe that it demonstrates that redemption is God's idea. Exactly. It's, it's, it's him pursuing us and him saying, I'm making the way. Yeah. You know, this isn't something that you earned. This isn't something that, you know, you've, you've now deserve. Or, but he says, I will make a way. Yeah. And so, uh, Jim, I want to I wanna begin to talk about... Oh, wait a minute. Didn't people freak out? That it, didn't, the, didn't all those religious people completely oh, yeah. freak oh, yeah. out There's out of their minds I mean, it, uh, that they, something super huge had just taken place? Yeah. Well, temple worship was no longer... You know, as we started at the beginning of, of the podcast, I mean, everything in history changed, changed. at this moment, yeah. and temple worship in that way was never uh, restored, because Jesus is that sacrificial lamb. And so, again, in saying those words, our listeners are like, what do you mean sacrificial lamb? Uh, what do you mean? And so I'd like to talk, you know, Jim, about, you know, the significance of, of the blood, you know, the blood is, is extremely offensive. The cross, you know, a, a crucifix, extremely offensive. You know, why would a loving God, you know, give his only son, you know, for us? Why would there be such a brutal death that would have to take place? You know, I, there, there's a, an, another um, statement that's made that, I mean, Jesus was beaten beyond recognition, I mean, there's not a movie that depicts truly what took place. I mean, the severity of 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 the the bruising that he bore and the suffering and uh, and but but you know then his blood being shed. I believe that all of these details are very very you know important in this and and um, I, I want I want when I take a look, it's just like wow for me. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, he died. Yeah. You know, the, the, the whole concept of the blood, there, there are so many, there are so many factors that, uh, about the blood that, that I don't think are just immediately grasped by people. You, you know, one of the interesting things, of course, blood always represents death. That, and, and, you know, the, 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 the concept about about sin and death. See, there's a law of sin and death. There are universal laws. Mm-hmm. Universal laws are laws that exist, that have to exist in order to make planet Earth and human life uh, functional, you know, mm-hmm. uh, able to exist. And, and, and many of the universal laws, you know, all the universal laws have, have a life side and a death side. And see, we mm. think about the life side and the death side as being reward or punishment that is dealt out to us, you know, by by God. When in fact, uh, they 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 exist because in, because in order to provide life, you have to. There has to be a, 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 an opposite. You, you, 
You know, yeah. you know, God is the ultimate mathematician. This is this is something people do not realize. You know, God has to have the greatest mathematical mind that the world has ever known or seen because everything in the world exists through mathematical equations. And in fact, one of the you know one of the one of the wickednesses, if you will, behind many occult. Uh, uh, organizations, as well as even science, is that through learning the math, the scientific equations, we can create a world where we don't need God. Hmm. Because because if we know the formulas that He worked by, ah. then we can control, you know, you know how how the world goes. Mm-hmm. So so mathematical equations come into play. Uh, like I say, not because God w- wants there to be uh, uh, evil, but you can't have good without evil. You can't have free will without without all of these options, you know, you know, being built in. So, you know, and I know I'm kind of kind of running around the corner here, hitting on some things to and that I hope will make sense as we as we kind of wind them in, in that direction. So, so life and death. Are options that we have that that we that, that we can choose, and so the Bible teaches us that the soul that sins will die. Now that is not saying that God is choosing death for that person. It is saying that God has set a way to have life, mm-hmm. and and if you follow this path of life then you have life. If you choose to follow a pa- another path that takes you in another direction, then it will, the first step on it, starts you in a progression toward death, not because God wants that for you, not right. because God is choosing that as your punishment, but because you have made a choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so the law, and, and the law of sin and death says, so the sin's going to die. So, so the reality of it is, not because of, of just God's judgment, per se, but just because of how the world works, the universal laws of the world, the way they work, then, then the reality of it is we are bound to the law of sin and death. And, the, and so that would mean that any person that ever sinned would ultimately face, have to face death because they set themselves on that course by their, you know, by their own choices, by their own, by their own direction. So, blood not only represents death, but blood also represents wrath or, or consequence uh, for you know the, the death that comes, the consequential death that comes as a result of of sin. And you know we're living in a politically correct Christian world today that you know. People don't even want to talk about sin. They don't. They don't even want to discuss that. They want to. They, right. they want to kind of repackage the whole idea and come up with something that's a little more sterile, for you know, for religious consumption. But the reality of it is, every person, the Bible says, has sinned, and what it means, it says, they have fallen short of the glory of God, and so sin is not just about the fact. Think about sin like this. It's not just not it's not just the fact that you do something wrong. It's the fact that you didn't reach the goal of what God right. was offering you. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like this. It'd be like if there was a ditch 
that was uh, that was 12 feet wide, that was filled full of alligators, and uh, you you were going to jump that ditch, and you made it 11 <laughs> feet and six inches. <laughs> Then you have <laughs> you have fallen short <laughs> of the glory yes, of God. Yes. You did not land, and and God didn't choose that for you. God didn't no. want that for you. And God no. even warned you and said, Here, "Here's the path. Here's here's where life yeah. is. Here, here, so, so you want to find this." So this law of sin and death says, if you fall short, you, you fall. Totally short. There, there mm-hmm. is no falling a little bit short. No, <laughs> uh, where, where sin is, is involved. I think the alligator. I think the alligator picture pretty much gave us the picture. Yeah, I go. think we got it. So, so I don't want to make that leap. I no, don't even want to make no, the jump. Absolutely. I don't even want to try that jump. So that means that all of us are facing the pro- the, the 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 probability, or, or not just probability, but but actually the the reality of of, of death. So mm-hmm. God, God is like, look, I didn't create you. To, I didn't create you to be separated from me. I didn't create you to suffer these things. This is not the world that I want it for you. Right. So so God initiated, and you stop and think, the first prophecy in the Bible was in the Garden of Eden. It was the prophecy about Jesus coming and and conquering sin, death, hell, the devil, and, and providing life for us. That's the mm-hmm. very first prophecy of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you when when and when you when you think about it, you know, in the book of Daniel, we have the year of Jesus' birth prophesied. We have the year of his crucifixion prophesied. When you, if you know about the, the, the feast, and the Passover is the, is the primary feast, you know, where Jesus represents where Jesus is crucified, stop and think. We have the day of the week and the, the hour of the day that mm. Jesus would be crucified, prophesied thousands of years in advance. Crazy. Wow. wow, that's crazy. So so Jesus comes, and all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament show, you know, they were types. They were shadows. They really didn't, they really didn't produce in man what God desired. No. And but but they represented the fact that an innocent life, a lamb or an animal that had no blemish, in other words, there was no fault in them, had to pay the price because, because the law of sin and death could not be violated. If, right. there's, if there's sin, there has to be death. Yeah. So Jesus came, and on the cross, he shed his blood. And he shed his blood, which obviously represents the death he died for us, but it also represents the fact that all of the curse of the law, all of the wrath that, and the judgment that would, would be poured on anybody, uh, he became that because blood is the, the ultimate epitome of, of re- representing wrath. And so that's why the Apostle Paul tells us that we're delivered from the wrath of God. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and, it, and that's, that's when the Bible talks about faith in the blood of Jesus, you know, a lot of people run around you know, I confess the blood. I confess the blood, and you know stuff like that. And, and uh, but but they don't have a clue, you know, what they're confessing about the blood. But faith in the blood of Jesus is is when we know what that blood represents, and we are confident in what God said about it, and and what God offers us through that blood, what we have through the blood of Jesus, and the freedom that Paul talks about. That there is therefore. 
Now, no condemnation That's right. for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has nope. set us free from the law of sin and death. Sorry, I memorized through songs, so that's what you're just going to get. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a true podcast if I haven't sung a song. Come on. That's right. So, you know, as uh, you know, the, uh, the church, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember this. Golly, this would have been 20, 20 years ago or more. You know, I was sitting at home one day, and, and I get a call from your dad, Audrey. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> and... It was, it was more than 20 years ago. It had, I mean, this was this would have been in the 90s, very probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it was back in cassette days, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so he called me, and he had just listened to a series that I had done on the blood of Jesus. And uh, at that time, I don't know if, uh, if, if, if New Day had ever paid, particularly international flight, for somebody to come in. Because he kind of no. indicated, he indicated. No, I don't think we had that, that they that, didn't. No. That, that they did not do that. But he was so moved wow. by this teaching about the blood of Jesus that yes. he, said, he said, "I want you to come here and share this." Yes. Because in even back that far back, you know, your dad had the realization that even though the church used the terminology about the cross mm. and the terminology about the blood, that that in fact. They couldn't really have faith in it because faith is when you believe the truth about something that God says about something. And so, you know, we're walking around talking about the blood, but we really really don't have faith in the blood. And so we're not really experiencing all of what the blood of Jesus right. provides for us. Right. Hey, then, Jim, where did that really begin to take place or, you know, take hold in your own heart? You know, we're, we're talking... Yeah, like, when did that start for yeah, you? for you. When did that realization really begin to take, you know, uh, root inside of you? you that you would be that, so that, passionate. That would cause you, yeah. you know, as a younger man to yeah. be very, very passionate Like, where did that, that, where did it hit... Do you even remember where you were when that hit you, that revelation? Well, you know, for me, ignorance was such bliss. Uh, you know, ignorance has always been my friend. <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, you know, growing up outside of the church arena, growing up, you know, even though I was around religious people, I didn't really have anybody shaping my 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 points of view, and uh, and so you know, my my first church that I went to, uh, my had a really good pastor, you know, within the first weeks of getting sa- uh, getting saved and going to church, you know, I, I I'd bought my first language book. Because I had a pastor teaching me to always look stuff up in, in the Greek and the Hebrew, you know, not mm-hmm. not in a Webster's dictionary. So, so I was really fortunate that even though there wasn't like super duper theological roots, uh, th- there was just good biblically based roots. But one of the things that the Baptist boy they preached, taught, believed, hammered was the, was the the death of Jesus on the cross. Vague references to the blood of the blood of Jesus and vague references to um, uh, the grace of God, and so you know that was my be- beginning place. But it was probably so. so it was a journey. I, you know, I can't say there was like one mm-hmm. particular epiphany mm-hmm. that suddenly 
you know, this, that, that made all these pieces come together. But there was a journey that I went on, and probably when I was doing my undergraduate work in Bible college, man, I, I had one particular teacher there, a guy by the name of Bill Caffey, and uh, I think he's still alive. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, he, he changed the lives of so many Bible school students because we were, he was teaching the book of Hebrews, Mm. and and uh, just did an excellent job. And, you know, the book of Hebrews is not an easy book to understand. No. If you don't understand the book of Leviticus, you don't, you're lost when it comes to right. Hebrews. Right. Right. And so in studying the book of Hebrews, he started introducing a bigger picture of, of the blood of Jesus, which for me led me down a path to a bigger picture of, of what happened at the cross, and for the need to go back and start saying, well, well, wait a minute, if I understand this through these Old Testament sacrifices, I've got to go back and, and, and read this stuff and understand it. So the honest truth is, this has been a, a whole life, Christian life journey for me that's, that has yeah. never stopped. Yeah, because there's something that, you know, you have taught us and has, you know, really um, developed within us. Because people would um, um, kind of follow, you know, the things that you teach, the things that you share, you know, with regards to heart physics, with regards to a grace message, with regards mm-hmm. to, you know, um, 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 uh, the gospel of peace, all of those things. But there's always something that you kind of come back to, and there's a, a phrase and a statement that, you know, you always uh, refer to, and it's... Because of his death, his burial, his resurrection, yep. and the ascension, you know, everything has changed, Every, you know, based yep. on this. I mean, you're always going back and placing this event, event you know, yep. this these realities as being the cornerstone of everything else, yeah, you know, that, that, that you speak about. And that has been something for me that I just have so admired because you're, you're not... Um, uh, captivated, you know, by the message, but right. rather by the finished work of Jesus. Yeah. You always go back to this finished work of Jesus, and and I feel like that's you know why you know you know we're coming through this season, and I and I just want to invite our listeners in, you know, to really help them set this foundation, you know, within their own life, then rather than just a simple, you know, a nod, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But give me the good stuff. But give yeah. me the good stuff. Yeah, we all know mm-hmm. that he died. We get yeah, it. Right, yeah, yeah. And when that. you start talking about Jesus dying on the cross, honestly, many people just, you know, they, they just immediately tune you out and start thinking about what they're going to have for lunch because, it, because we think we know. You know, when you, when you stop and think about it, See, when Paul would make references to the cross or even to the blood of Jesus, the honest truth was he was not talking about a single event. He was talking about something that started when Jesus was crucified and that ended when Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God receiving the inheritance. And, and so it's not, it's, it's, you can't talk about the blood of Jesus without bringing the whole picture in. Right. See, see, we're trying to, we have, we believe on the historical Jesus, which thank God for it. There are so many things that Jesus modeled through his life and through his teaching. And I'm, and I'm thankful for that. I, you know, I look at that all the time. But the reality of it is, what 
gives the power that works in our life is, is according to Paul is resurrection power. Yes. The thing that gives us victory over sin, the thing that gets us healed, the mm-hmm. thing that transforms our life is resurrection power. It's the power that God wrought in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand. Now, that is that even that statement there is meaningless if you don't know what happened in the grave. If you don't know what happened in the cross, the resurrection doesn't mean anything beyond what you know about about the cross and the grave, mm-hmm. because other people have been raised from the dead. Jesus yeah. had raised yes. people from the dead. Other people have been crucified on a cross. Yeah, and and so and so we're trying to operate faith in the historical account of Jesus' life instead of the biblical yes. account of what yes. happened See, that's on the it- cross. And that's where our eyes will start to become open to this yeah. resurrection power. Yeah. Because we're looking at this, we're trying to logically say, okay, yeah, a guy died. He was massacred. I get it. Like, we, we understand how awful that was. But yeah. as you said, other people have been raised from the bed. Other people had been. So what was different about this that had and, eternal yeah. power and meaning? And, and why, did, why did it change every Everything. Everything. So you know, it'll probably, and, and we, I know we still got a little bit of time left today, but but you know, probably for the next few next few weeks, maybe okay. we just need to, like you say, you know, we're in a season here, and Passover, which Passover was a type of of Jesus dying on the cross. Remember the first time the blood was shed, and you know that the law of first reference. That's you want to go back to the law of first reference. The law of first reference was. That by the shedding of the blood of the first Passover lamb and that blood being applied by faith, you know, to the to the header of the mm-hmm. door yes, and the doorpost yes. meant that when the when the death angel came across Egypt, that that death did not come into the household that had the blood and, and had done right. it by faith. So the very first understanding of what Jesus did on the cross is that we are delivered from wrath. The blood of Jesus, first and foremost, delivers us from wrath. You know, you don't even start dealing with your conscience being cleansed. You don't even start dealing with being made righteous. You don't even start with any of those things because until you resolve the fear issue, until you, you know, the fear of judgment, the fear of wrath, until you have resolved that, you can't have an honest relationship with God. Yeah. And so, so the first Passover tells us the greatest story uh, about the blood of Jesus. And this is the beginning. And, you know, you were talking, we actually, you know, uh, I thought about this when, when you were introducing the program Uh back when we used to do television programs together. I don't know if you all remember us having this conversation, but. When guests would be on the show and people would sit around and we would all be sitting around talking before and after the programs, mm-hmm. I don't remember, you know, who brought it up. I, I remember us sitting there one day and somebody said, you know something, y'all need to be videoing everything that you guys talk about. Right. right. Because right. everything you guys are talking about before and after the programs, people need so to hear rich. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the real truth is these podcasts are more like those conversations. Yes, uh-huh. they are. Yes. They're not like the broadcast that we did on television. They're not a yes. They're not the, a planned out performance. Yeah. This is what this is the passion that comes. Yeah. And so and so you know this is us just having a conversation with us and however many thousands of people are are, are listening in, eavesdropping, you know. Yeah. A, about 
the significance of this. And in this conversation, Bob, you, you brought it up. You said it before we started the podcast, mm-hmm. but you, you brought it up again. You know, the Passover is the beginning of a series of events leading up to Pentecost. Well, you know, mm-hmm. and if any of these events that are depicted, and, and it all starts with the blood, if any of these events that are depicted in these first feasts, if they are omitted from New Testament doctrine, then the real truth is your Christianity will never really work like it's supposed to work. Hmm. Because they're all part of renewing my mind, surrendering myself to the Lordship of Jesus, Mm -hmm. the Word of God being written on my heart. You know, all of these things that we talk about in New Testament, New Covenant terminology, Mm -hmm. they were all established and described to us back here in, in these feasts. Mm-hmm. But it all, but it all starts on the cross. What happened? I, you know, as I call it, from the cross to the throne. What happened? Yes. It starts with the blood of Jesus. But but what does that mean? Where does it go? Well, and first the love for, first yeah. reference by shedding yeah. of that blood because what you said was so. Until you resolve the fear issue, you can't have an honest no. relationship yeah. with God. Well, no. do you know what that means? Yeah. That means that I mean. Doesn't everyone have a fear issue? Doesn't everyone have a fear? But you see, once that fear is broken, then we can start walking because the fear won't pull us back anymore from the realities of what he's actually done for us. And in in that reference uh, there in Exodus, where, you know, God is wanting to deliver his, his, his chosen people out of Egypt and bring them into a land of promise. I remember that that story as a young child and the fear that it would, you know, would grip my heart, you know, just, just, and, you know, going back, you know, to the beginning, you know, Hey, he, he is God. Yes, he is Papa. Yes, he is a daddy, but he is father God. But I remember the fear and it was just like, I don't know if I want to, you know, I don't know even how, or if I can really, you know, trust this, this God. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I remember those images, you know, as, as a young boy, but in our English language, we use one word, and that's Passover, you know, mm-hmm. to pass over. Yeah. But in the Hebrew, there are two words, the Pesach and the Abar. Mm-hmm. And to Pesach is to pass over, but then in the, in the same reference there, there's the other, which is to Abar, which is to cross over the threshold and to enter mm-hmm. into a covenant and to abide. Yep. And so with, with the blood on the doorpost of my life, God says, I want to enter in. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to to commune with you. I want your life to thrive. I'm going to bring you to a land of promise. Uh, You know, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. You don't have to fear. And and as you were saying, Jim, this is the this is the truth. Is that the the fear is 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 being removed, and the image of a truly loving God says. I want to abide with you, mm-hmm. and I'll make a way, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the wrath would be dealt with. and It's not going to touch you. Yeah. You know, that, that's a perfect example of how ignorance can set people off the track. Because just stop and think. If, you know, we talk about the Passover, and Jesus yeah. is our true Passover lamb. But think about how many people out there, the only part of the Passover they're thinking about is I'm delivered from wrath. Mm-hmm. And so all this, all then the Passover and the crucifixion means to them is, okay, then God's not going to kill me, so I can do anything I want to do. Right. 
there's no relationship. There's no, now, let, now let's right. cross the threshold. Now let's step over into fellowship. Now, now let's actually start living. Yeah. Let's actually start the journey together. Yeah, getting set free from that fear was, was not the purpose. Mm-hmm. It was part of the Just process the toward yeah. a purpose of a relationship. It was almost like that was the door. That was the that was entering in. Literally that was the, the entrance yeah. Of, yeah. of something, a whole new life. Absolutely. I think we're kind of out of time. How long have we been going? <laughs> I don't know. It's really well, good. Then, you know, well, this, this is a good. This is a good point because this. Yeah, we, just yeah, we got about another ten minutes. Do we? Oh, okay. good. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, we got another ten minutes. Okay. So you know, you know, I was just when, when we we're talking about the door. You know, I was I was writing a chapter. In, in my new book, Heaven on Earth. And mm. uh, I called it Finding the Door. Did you? And and you know what's interesting? I, I actually, I'll probably go back, based on this conversation, to add some things. Yeah. Because I just, did, I just did the rewrite. You know? I mean, I, I just did the first, first write. Yeah, you know, right, right. Yeah. First draft. But, but you, you know, you, everybody knows there's a door. I mean, every <laughs> believer knows there's the door Somewhere there's supposed to be a door somewhere <laughs> that takes me into this incredible life. Because right. most people come to Christianity in the hopes of a better life. Yes. And and you know I think I know personally the people that the people that I know pretty much do experience a degree of a better life. But I got to be honest with you. Not many people actually experience the degree of a better life, or, or to the degree that they were that they were expecting. Mm-hmm. And 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 what I found is is remember we can only operate faith in that which we know. We can, I can only believe that which I know. That, that which I've been told. You know, we've been taught that faith was blind. Faith is not blind. Faith is the total opposite of being blind. But God has, God has given us all of this revealed knowledge, all of this mm-hmm. stuff that anybody can get if they apply themselves. It might be complicated at first. You might have to do a lot of study. You might have to do a lot of effort you know, uh, in to, to, to learn things. But, but the real truth is the hard part is not crossing through the door. The hard part is even finding, finding where there is a door. Mm, really? Oh, yeah. Because there are people who are seeking this door, this door into kingdom living, this door into a life that's better than anything you've ever heard, seen, or imagined. This, you know, this life that's full of the promises of God. This, this life that's that's the quality of life given by the one that possesses it. People are seeking that, but the majority of believers are not seeking that based on what Jesus actually accomplished. They got bits and pieces of what Jesus accomplished, but their faith is not really in what Jesus accomplished and in the fact that we are in him. And so they're they're looking in all of these places, but they're ignoring the, the revealed knowledge of God that has been provided for every single believer that tells us how to find the door. Because we are in him and he yep. is in us. That's pretty profound because um, I think that most people say, yeah, I know that I know that when I said that salvation prayer, that's when I found the door. 
Isn't that what we, you think most people would say? I mean, isn't that the oh. door? You just you just told us that it's hard to find the door. Not many people experience the quality of life that's truly available because it's not about crossing through the door. It's finding the door. Well, you, you know, when you, when you think about, remember, Jesus was a teacher of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So his parables and his teaching about the kingdom of God was not about how to get saved. And see, that's, that's a great misnomer. That's, that, okay. that, is, that is a great misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, to a, when, a, when, a, when a Hebrew heard the phrase, the kingdom of God, there would be two concepts that might come into their mind, but the first and foremost concept would be the Garden of Eden. Mm, okay. Because the, gar- the Garden of Eden was the one time on planet Earth that that God had absolute yes. rule over mm-hmm. over mankind mm-hmm. because you know that was before mankind chose his own way, and so since God had rule, then God's resources were available to everybody who lived within that realm, and so that's why you know the the phrase "kingdom of God" points more to surrendering to the rule of God. The phrase kingdom of heaven points more to the resources that are available within that realm. So when, when, a, when a Hebrew was hearing Jesus talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they, they weren't thinking about being born again. They didn't even know about being born again yet. Nobody got born again until Jesus was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus gave these parables about how hard it was to enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, he wasn't saying how hard it was to get saved. Ah... He said, remember, he, he says, he says, you know, there's the narrow way and then there's mm-hmm. that broad way, you know, yep. go in by the narrow way. Few are they who find it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so the thing is, is we approach God and say, you have made this promise to me. You've made this promise of, of this great life, this kingdom of God. Life. You've made this promise. Now I've gotten saved. Where's the promise? I mean, how many times have you heard this stupid testimony where people say, well, you know, I got saved and then it got worse because the devil came after me now that I'm saved. And, right. and, and, and people are like, oh, so that means if I get saved, it's going to get worse. Yeah, it's going to get worse, you know. Uh, no. <laughs> that, that, you know, that is absolutely not at all what Jesus was teaching. But they think, I got saved. I have found the way. No. Actually, what happened when you got saved is you developed the capacity, Jesus said, until you get born again, you can't even perceive that there is a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so all you've gotten really when you got saved, and your sins are forgiven, I understand that, you know, you got your ticket punched for heaven. But as far as entering into this realm, all you've gotten is the capacity to perceive it. That does not mean you've even found the door. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's This is really good, Jim. I'm I'm just as as I'm listening to you I'm I'm uh looking over uh John chapter 10. Yeah. And it speaks about Jesus being the good shepherd. Yep. But it's all referencing the ability to know and perceive and to hear his voice and yep. follow. Mm-hmm. You see that that's that's what happens when you come to Jesus and he says very clearly in um verse 11 and he says I am the good shepherd. Yep. I am the door. I am the gate. You yep. know, and this is the way that you be this is the way that you enter into relationship with me. You you hear my voice, you follow me, you know me. And there are so many out there that are deceiving 
so that when the devourer comes, when the wolf comes, you know, it's like, I'm out of here. And Jesus says, no, I'll make a way. I'll give my life. I'll lay it down and I'll pick it up again. This he is the good shepherd. And so this the the invitation, you know that that being willing, yes, Lord, enter my life. You know, I'm 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 beginning to see with new eyes the the fullness of your death, burial, resurrection and your ascension and I want all of that. I want this relationship with you, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's abide. Which together. brings us back to the beginning of what we talked about, where the veil was rent. <laughs> <laughs> they rent it. They rented it out to some they rent Gentiles. It out to some Gentiles, <laughs> and now we can get to see Jesus, and we have access. So but well, you know something really interesting about that. <laughs> Did you know that the prophecy about uh, about entering the presence of God says that. God will restore the tabernacle of David. It doesn't say he will restore the tabernacle or of, of Moses. Ooh. And the difference was the tabernacle of David did not have a curtain. Really? And, and, and yeah, you know, when David brought the, when David brought the mercy seat back from I believe it was the household of Obed Edom, I think was yeah, his right. name. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and he built a tabernacle for it to dwell in, there was no curtain. And so all people were able to come and worship before God openly, even though that wasn't really the prescribed manner, but that was what God prophesied he would restore in Jesus was a tabernacle with no curtain. So that when that curtain was rent, which which one of the things about that curtain, you know, we think about a curtain like a little shower curtain. Yeah. You know, this yeah. curtain was about six inches or a foot thick. I mean, yep. this was made out of out of you know lamb's wool or something, you know, and so it it took it took an incredible force to do that, and for it to happen instantaneously and not to tear everything to pieces, it had to be supernatural. But in that moment, that veil opening up was the restoration of the tabernacle of David, where it says you don't have to have you, you got one mediator between God and man. You don't have to have a high priest to go in here. and and talk to God for you. Now you come in yourself. Now you talk to me face to face. And the only, uh, the only mediator between us is Jesus and what he's accomplished. Wow. Mm. So really it is about entering. It really is about finding that door. It really is about entering yeah. a new realm of yes, access. It is. It's entering into new, what I was talking about, worship and gazing into his face. It's about entering into that door. So yes, maybe not very many people, believers, will really enter in. It's not about finding the door. It's about entering into the yeah. door. Well, you know, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, we take that and twist that all up. Uh, the, the, in the Greek, the word word there is is not the word, uh, it's logos, it's the word rhema, which means the spoken word, but it's not spoken word of God, it's spoken word of the preacher. So what they're basically saying is, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it means that you will not have faith beyond what part of the word of God you've heard. And so we're telling people to believe in the cross of Christ. We're telling people to believe in the blood of Jesus. We're telling them to believe in the resurrection with zero biblical explanation of what actually happened on the cross, what actually happened in the grave, what actually happened in the resurrection, what Jesus did when he got to heaven, and what occurred when he sat down at the right hand of God. And so really we're just saying believe in these words 
And then we wonder why people don't experience this life transformation resurrection power. So it really would take the next few podcasts to talk about what actually Let's happened on the cross Let's and what actually yeah. happened in the grave. Yeah. And what yep. actually happened in the resurrection yeah. and ascension. Yeah. That would be very valuable. Yeah. Good. I think we've started the conversation and uh we have entered into yeah. the conversation. There we go. And I do I do want to uh reference uh, a series Jim that you have and that is the three days that changed the world. Yep. And we'll, we'll make sure that we feature those on the Live Transformed website. Uh, you can go there, and uh, there in the description, we'll have that for you as well. And um, uh, it's, it's a great way of you helping to support uh, this podcast. Uh, but I know that this series will help a lot. But as well, you know, make sure that you tell others about it, and we'll just continue you know, we'll continue in, in our next uh, several episodes of what really changed, yep. you know, and, and, and what Actually is happened. behind, yes. you know, these terms, mm-hmm. you know, that we just so easily pass over. There we go again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, you know, we want the depth of it because I want you to experience the real life, you know, that I want you to enter into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And 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 just really begin to experience the promises of God, you know, yep. for you. This is where I want you to live. So again, thank you, everyone. Jim, thanks for a wonderful day. Thank I you. I really do. I, I really appreciate thank you this. for our time together. Yeah, and and the tabernacle of David being restored. Yeah, that that's a great reminder. Openly worship before Him. Okay. So we love you, our listeners, and we're praying for you and your families. Before the conversation today, Jim and Bob, Jim, Bob and me, we were talking about our kids and our family and just how we are believing and praying for our families, and we include you in that, knowing that we always have hope. That's because right. e- even though like God is pursuing our kids and God is pursuing our families even more than we are there on His heart so we yep. can trust Him, so we don't have to carry them. He is carrying mm-hmm. them, and that is a beautiful thought for you as we close today, that because of Jesus... Um, you are you are protected, and um, and I'm very grateful that you have joined us today. <laughs> Did you run out of words? Yeah, it doesn't happen very often, but that just happened. <laughs> help, right, me, help, well, me, help me! Help me! Help <laughs> me! We'll see you next week here on the Transform.